I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Hey, welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my good buddy, Chief John Salka, and we've got another episode for you in our Old School series. Um, John, we always try to do this, a little update. Um, we're all set for next year's FDIC, mm -hmm. um, and we're right now currently um, in Warren, Michigan, doing a company officer academy for another great group from actually all over this region. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Great hosts. We're at the Fraternal Order Police, our brothers in Sisters in Blue, their building. They have a nice hall here in Warren, yep. Michigan. And day one in the day one is in the books, and uh, just and now we're looking forward to day two. But absolutely. Uh, but so you know, we always kind of shoot from the hip with these, and you know, somebody will spur something, ask a question, so on and so forth. So the topic came up about uh, when we do the series, what you should know, kind of thing, and you know how we talk about that during roundtables and things like that. But the one is. You know, when it comes to what you know, you're SCBA. And I mean, there are so many things in a half hour ish show that we do. Um, you know, it's it would be impossible to cover everything you have to cover. With the right. SCBA. Right. So but, we'll cover what we can, but we'll try and hit all the highlights in, in the short time that we have. But exactly. And, and that being said, you know, if if we if we went back to our theory of the whole back to the basics thing, when it comes to your your air pack, your SCBA, um, first of all, we've come a long way. We've come from. No SCBA to remember the smoke hoods with the big with the bellows. You're outside. I've got I've got that in my 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 little collection of, of mm -hmm. memorabilia. Um, you know, eventually to the canister mask, which really did nothing to filter out the poison, but just get the bigger stuff out of the way. To do you remember the steel cylinders? Do you remember the steel air packs? I used to wear them with the with the face piece with the little round eye holes instead of a oh. big conical screen, you know, lens that was just round eye holes on a full rubber face piece. And, yeah, and then they went a little bit bigger, and then the elephant trunk hose, and which was always <clears throat> very very helpful in the old days for emergency air supply <laughs> inside your coat. Unless unless it came undone and you were dragging on the floor, sucking all that stuff up right. into your face piece. Right. Right. But low, you know, demand low low pressure just. You know, and, and I remember back then complaining about how heavy the pack was in the bottle. And they were, they were steel bottles, they were heavy. So I really don't have a lot of sympathy when somebody nowadays says, oh, all these heavy air packs. I'm like, nothing. Nah, 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 put those on. But that's like talking like someone's grandpa as well, which we both are. But that being said, but nowadays, um, a lot of great manufacturers out there. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're not going to zoom in anyone in particular because they all have something to offer. We have our favorites. And, you know, that that's that's uh, for you as a, as a, listener to decide but so if we were going to start with the basics all right john about the scba um and, and I'll, I'll i'll throw this to you you've got brand new proby south booming grove you know and uh it probably comes up to hit you so give a minute look you know you've been doing this for you know 45 years um talk to me about the, the air pack i'm brand new to this I, I went through my firefighter one and two training but you know 
besides all your get out alive and your safety survival training, everything else you've done, tactics, strategy, talk about the air pack. What are some of the things I should be dialed in with? Maybe, you know, some of the important points that mm -hmm. you teach about mm -hmm. an SCBA to a fireball. Right. Well, I mean, one of the first, again, regardless of manufacturer, one of the first features is like the size of the size of the tank. Like how big of a, right. how big of a cylinder do you have? And we all know the cylinder is now a composite. They're, they're aluminum, fiberglass wrapped, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, for weight purposes. They're strong, but but light. Um, and there's the 30-minute cylinder, which is still out there big time. I was just up in Buffalo five days ago, and uh, and, and up there, a couple of the guys from some of the departments at the conference were, uh, that I was at were saying, no, we still got 30-minute cylinders, which I, which I was happy to hear because I like the old 30-minute cylinders. They weren't very big. They weren't very heavy. They were pretty light. And... In my, in my use, in my experience in the FDMY and, and many other places, a lot of fires are largely knocked down by the time, you know, a member has used the, uh, you know, the work time of a 30-minute cylinder. Uh, a lot of people have gone to 45, including the FDMY. We've got to 45-minute cylinders. This is what they're rated for, you know. I'm not going to give you all the technical jargon about how many actual minutes of air and pounds and square footage and all this other stuff, but it's the next larger size, 45-minute. And, of course, you get a few more minutes than you do with the 30. <clears throat> but... Uh, the price for that is a little bit little larger profile, well, a little bit more weight. And do you remember, I mean, there was a while, I know when I was at Bedford Park, you know, with the hazmat team, and then they carried over to the fire ground floor. We put actually hour-long cylinders right. in there. And mm -hmm. we did that, not just, you know, for hazmat, a little bit of difference because you burned a lot of air off just wearing your level A suits and so on and so forth, just standing there. But then we brought them over. I'll be honest, we brought them over to the structural side out of the rigs. And it was more or less with all the warehouses. Sometimes, you know, you could have a machine burning in a warehouse and by the time you walked all the way to it, to just put a, an extinguisher on it, right. you were out of, you know, you were almost right. out of air. So it, it gave us a little more walking time. Mm -hmm. and all that. But, you know, in a structural fire, it could actually, I think it could jam you up because I think you could put you in there too long. It was a big pack, you know, for the hour long bottle and all that. So I'm, I'm not sure if an hour long is too long. What I think, uh, I think the bigger the bigger negative consequence of a larger cylinder is the weight. And, and it's right, cumbersome right. and it's heavier. It's it's a bigger drain. Let's face it, more firefighters die from physical stress than from anything else. And now you're adding another couple of pounds in a larger bottle to the guy and make it more difficult to walk and maneuver and carry. So it. 45, 30, what, what do you... I mean, I think 45 is a pretty popular one. I think there's still people holding out with 30s. And now, like, for example, the FDMY in my time on the job, I don't think they've changed it. They used to use our, you know, squads and rescue special operations companies always had our cylinders on the rig for high-rise flyers. They would switch into that into the hour cylinders for a high-rise flyer, which I always thought was a great idea. High-rise is a little bit, like you said, you're venturing further in, larger square foot areas and thin compartmentation and, and, and concerns of that nature, being way up on the upper floors where air is not as readily or spare cylinders are not as readily available. So well, I'll uh, tell you, in the hour long, when I was in Bedford Park, I remember a few times walking in pretty far going, God, I'm glad I got the extra air because right. some of that, the oil off the machines put off a black smoke through out. And, and it wasn't about stretching a line all the way in there, hitting a standpipe or whatever. It was about just taking a dry chem to get it close enough to, to you know. Well, like give you a little more confidence having yeah. that bigger cylinder. Yeah, sure. being able to sure. do that. So, sure. so tank size is important. Right. The um, next thing I think that's most important with an ICBA is, is, is just familiarization with the details of, of, of the actual piece of equipment. Where the straps are, Obviously, there's two shoulder straps and there's a waist strap. That's pretty general. But but what types of straps? What what type of tightening devices are on, are on these? In other words, for the shoulder straps, for the most part, most part, you grab the end of a of, of a of a of a loose strap and you and you pull it tight, and it tightens through. In the old days, it would it would tighten through an alligator clip, 
And right. now, and now they're different. Now there's more modern pieces of a, a, a hardware, let's call them, on SCBAs, on the shoulder traps and the waist traps. Waist traps, I still think, for for a large part, the waist trap connecting device in the middle is still a seatbelt type depressant button. But again, now when you go to the to the right and the left, like where you'd wear a pistol on your on your right, hip, right? Uh, that that tightening and loosening device. Uh, they used to call them parachute clips. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so, so there's different devices on different manufacturers. You have to be familiar with what you have. I don't know what you have, but you have to be familiar. And I can almost assure you that alligator clips are not part of it anymore. Those were pretty much the initial old-fashioned type of hardware that was on there, which worked fine, but certainly the newer ones are much easier to loosen right. with a gloved hand. You can simply put a thumb or a finger through the round. It's almost like a large round opening, right. as big as a golf ball you can stick your finger through that Which and as soon as you on. pull it it loosens the strap right up immediately without having to put two fingers opposite each other on an alligator clip and depress them. exactly because that was that was a, that was a challenge a lot of what we've i was just going to go to this so a lot of what we do with air packs like it is in general the fire service was due to a disaster or a tragic incident or something like that or and a that's where the clips, right you know right. now now we'll get to that in a second as great as that is that we can take one finger and open it up, it also presents us with difficulty when you're dragging a firefighter. But I want to mention, you know, our good friend, Mike Spaulding, retired captain from Indianapolis, um, uh, was at the Indianapolis Athletic Club fire years ago, back when they, Mike Tyson was on uh, trial and they had a Tyson jury was being sequestered in Indianapolis. And Mike was in a guy they called Captain Sirius, you know, like Jay Jonas and incredible, incredible, incredible leader and firefighter, man, just a great guy. Um, you know, if you remember, Mike got badly burned at that fire. His mm-hmm. probe ended up dying. The firefighter went to the rescue and up dying. Mike should have died. His burns, oh my holy God, just horribly burned. Um, he, he said, you know, if I had found that third floor window, which is like a fifth or sixth floor window downtown, he goes, I would have jumped out. He goes, you know, people talk about different things. I'm on fire on there. He goes, when you, until you know you're on fire, if you're on fire, you have no idea how you can react. Right. But one of the things was, as he was crawling, John, if you remember, as he was crawling, he ended up getting to a point where it flashed. He was burning his skin. His ear. Remember him saying he couldn't hear the radio because of the static on the radio, which wasn't static. It was his ears burning off his head. Yeah. You know, he all of a sudden he was felt he was dragging his SCBA with his face piece because his shoulder straps had burned off. Well, what came out of that was the supports now they put inside the shoulder straps. Wire, yeah. The wire so that can happen as a direct result of, of you know, and who would have thought? Mike, Mike's, right. Mike Steele. I mean, exactly. that was just, you know, so knowing a little bit, like you said, the history about the pack, knowing how it's put together and and why, you know, if, golly, maybe maybe there needs to be a display in a firehouse that shows, like, everything. Shows here's the bellows, here's the canisters, here's the old steel bottles, here's this, yeah, this, all this, the this, stages this. of development. Yeah, yeah. It kind of here we are. And I'm sure there is some somewhere. Now you look at some other things that have developed over the years, right, years ago, well, I forget when it was, maybe in the 80s. I think it was the 80s when we had the, you know, the snap-on pass alert, right. right? It was it was something that just snapped on. It was like Manual. as big as a, not a quarter milk, but it was, it was it was pretty big. But you had to snap it on your, your SCBA somewhere, whether it was a shoulder strap or a waist strap. There was no prescribed place, I don't think. And you had to actually turn it on. So you had to turn your air on. You had to, And then you had to go in and manually turn this thing to arm. Right. So, so it would be ready and working while you were working. And if you... We were knocked unconscious or stayed motionless for 35 seconds, then it would go into the full arm. But I mean, what if happened you, was if you was, wanted odd, you had to actually physically turn it to the arm position. Right. If you and, wanted, you know. And nobody was using them. So nobody was using them. Nobody was arming them. So guys would get big, 
knocking unconscious or guys were in trouble and they never activated because they never turned them on. So that I mean, it happened in a lot slower fashion, but eventually the fire service said, you know what, let's, let's include this in the SEBA. So now when you turn your SEBA on, you have an integrated, it's integrated into the SEBA, into another piece of equipment. So when you turn your air on, you have passively, silently, unknowingly also activated and turned on your, your pass alarm, which is, which is you, wonderful. You activate it, okay, by turning on, you know, it's integrated, like you say, by just simply turning on the air supply to your body. So now it's in service and it's working and it's ready to, ready to, to call for help if you lay motionless. If you need to actually turn it to full alarm immediately, if you're in trouble and you don't want to wait for 35 seconds, you can do that just like you used to be able to do on the old one as well. So yeah, that, that was another... Up. Reach up and it's a single push. Exactly. That center, that, in most places, that center button to be able right. to activate that. Right. Now, which brings me, you know, we're just talking about pass device stuff on the air pack. You and I bring it up in classes all the time about how many departments really don't do a drill. You know, they, they, they do air pack stuff like that, but how many departments have done a, a drill using their pass device with its, you know, how to use it, how it works, and then with its sounding, how to talk at a radio, when do you silence it? Oh, when you give it a May Day, it's part of a May Day class. We do a lot of May Day work, you and I. Right. And we talk about giving a May Day. Don't, don't turn your pass into full alarm until you give your full May Day message. And even then, sometimes you got to think to yourself, I don't know, unless they're having a real hard time finding you, that's going to that's gonna pretty much negate any other communications you have going. You know, so definitely if you're going to give a May Day, give the May Day, get it received, give, give your other information, your who, what, and where, let them start out for you. And and then if you're going to activate your pass alarm, hopefully it happens after you're done with that initial communication. And, and if you're still, if you're able to do all that, you know there's still a chance you're going to find yourself to a window or to a door where they're going to find yourself and so forth, and you're not going to hear them per se coming for you. Right. You're not going to hear them down the hallway or hollering your name, you know, necessarily if that thing's going. You know, and it, but it's also hard sometimes to tell guys. So if you feel that the end is near, if you feel like you're going to be, then you need to go. You know, if you don't want to wait. For all the, you know, for the 22 or 24 seconds for it to give you the warning, then the other 10, 15 seconds before it goes off. And then you got to, if you, you know, if, if you were, were okay, you just, you know. And you got to deal around. with that noise coming out of your yeah. ASCB, you know, wherever. So, you know, knowing when to activate it, you know, or when to alarm, you know, when to hit the alarm, when to, when to do that versus, you know, when do you just let it work by itself? Which brings up another point is everybody in the world knows how to prevent an SCBA who's intern who's uh, uh integrated pass alarm is about ready to go off it's giving you the warning tone right right yeah you see everybody shaking their butt or shaking their backpack little, right? Duck right everybody knows little how duck. to do the waddle to silence it or to reset it but very few people know how to actually reach back and turn it to full alarm right now everybody knows how to quiet it everybody knows how to reset the, the pre-alarm but way fewer people know how to go just reach back with one hand and with one click Boop, put it into full alarm because because they rarely practice that and that would be a worthwhile in, in a, a mayday that I, we've talked about in this class a mayday that i had as a chief in the neighboring department great captain great great captain great firefighter we talk about muscle memory all the time you know he talked about how his fa his past base failed three times you know to, to to alarm if you will after he you know i mean you know that whole thing because you know he went up and well what he didn't realize he was in his distress and his duress he was resetting each time because what has he done for 16 years? He's jumped, you know, you turn on and check your pack, whoop, 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 and you check it, shh, 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 and you go, shh, shh, and you turn out, we take the bypass, right? The bypass, the purge valve, go, to click, shh, and you shut it off. Yep. Yeah. And so three, his pass actually was working. He accidentally, due to muscle memory, or, you know, he was under duress and stress on steroids, 
reset it, you know, three times instead of activating. So that's a great point you made about, and that's where it comes back to the drill and knowing where everything is on that and and so on and so forth. Now, go ahead. Well, I was just to say, this is, I used to, I I used to love being part of the smoke divers class at U of I because it was a 40 hour class that did nothing but make you work with your air packs. And I remember the first day, golly, John, you, I think you dawned and doffed your pack like 150 times that first day. By the end of the week, it was like it was a part of you. You knew every single thing about your air pack. Yep, you could do it with your eyes closed oh, in the dark room. Oh, it was just, it, 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 again, that came with rep, rep, you know, repetition. It came with you know doing it over and over and over and over again and getting more and more comfortable. And sometimes you get frustrated and you work through the frustration. You got better and better and better at it. And you know that this is where the training pays off. Now, another point that just came up, because we were talking about when you, you know, when you're checking your SCBA and go through the routine and muscle memory, w- brings us to that point, the SCBA check, checking out your SCBA at the beginning of the shift or on your Monday night drill at the volunteer firehouse. That, that, that's a process that a lot of people do very unconsciously, very automatically with, with, with a lot of muscle memory. They don't put a lot of thought into it. And sometimes they get a little bit lazy. Um, you should never, you should never do an SCBA check without taking the SCBA out of the bracket of the apparatus. I don't care if you carry it in a compartment outside or if you have it behind your sitting position inside the apparatus, you should go up, pull it out and be, and stand there with it, either put it on and check it or however you have to do it, but you shouldn't be doing it from a reverse position. If, if you're looking at the seat that you're sitting on, you know, instead of sitting on it, you're facing it. Right. That's where your SCBA is. If you start pulling and, and turning tabs on and releasing face pieces and stuff like that, everything is opposite. That's why you need to pull that thing out. Frankly, I think you should sit down, put the straps on like you would for a run, and then stand up and step out of the rig. Once you're standing outside the rig, then you should dot it the rest of the way like you would if you were going to work. Waist strap on, uh, shoulder strap properly tensioned and properly connected, and then go through the motions of checking it. And why not go through the motions of actually taking your helmet off, putting the face piece on, tightening it up, turning it on, taking two breaths, reaching back, turning it off, breathing them down, checking the alarm. You can go through that whole process standing next to the rig as if you would actually performing the, the, the functions. Don't do it with the, don't do it with the, with the, with the uh, SCBA inside the, uh, so many, inside so the many guys, guys, they jump up in there. You, you see, they jump up in there. They, they look back behind. Yep. Now they say their, their camera phone flashlight, or they have something. Look, they say, okay, the bottle looks full. Yep. They turn it on and the whole thing. And again, you're facing opposite with everything you're doing with it. And you, you need know. to know. I mean, obviously, when you put your face piece on, your purge valves on your right hand side, right? If you got a Scott, your purge valves on the right hand side, on the right hand side of the, you know, the, your low pressure regulator right. on the front of the face piece. But now, looking at the bottle, you're looking at the back plate, the inside of the back plate that would normally be against you. Now you're looking at the bottle behind it, and wherever you see the valve for the cylinder, right, it's going to be on the opposite side. You're going to be reaching in there with the other hand to open it and close the valve for, for the cylinder. And you, and you need to know that. You need to know when you're tightening an SCBA. That that the, that the valve is going to be on your right hand side. That that the the, the the threaded opening with the high pressure hose coming out of the valve is going to be on, on your left hand side. You have to know those things, just like you have to know that that the left hand shoulder strap is the one that has the low pressure hose reaching to your to your face piece. The one you always hang on. The to. one that you never let go of. That's right. So all these procedures are very left right oriented, very logistically oriented. So you have to know where everything is and what hand you're using it with, even even to reach back and with your right hand. To grab the cylinder, right? To grab to grab the valve, the on-off valve on a cylinder. Then you have to know which way to turn it. Do you turn it? Do you turn it in clockwise, or do you turn it out? You know, left left counterclockwise to open the cylinder or close the cylinder. 
And you need to know that and practice that. And there's only that. one on and off. It's all the way on or all the way off. There's no, th th that's the reason there's not a click, click on and off with the bottle because you can shut yourself. It's spin it all the way on. Mm -hmm. And when you're done, you spin it all the way off. You don't go halfway or whatever. It's all the way on or all the way off. And there's also a tension spring on that, on that uh, <clears throat> handle too, on that wheel. Not necessarily a wheel, but there's a tension spring there too that you just can't reach back there and turn it. It's got to be depressed before you can turn it. Otherwise, you could you you could accidentally or unintentionally roll that cylinder, you know, against the ground, and it could close the cylinder on the ground or going downstairs. That used to That's happen. That's correct, or against you know, the wall or something sideways. Right. And here's something before we we we, we talk about a couple other things. One of the things that that I've said for years, and this is a, you know I learned from from people that taught me a long time ago. First of all, it's a fact that the majority of the SCBA failures or problems on the fire ground are operator error. It's this wasn't connected, you know, this wasn't tight, whatever. Most of it's shh, what's going up, whatever. The majority is that. Now, granted, there's some that freeze up in the winter and there's stuff like that, but the majority of that. Well, in the absence of training your people in the emergency check, and we used to talk, once you got comfortable with your air pack, it's like, all right, now we're going to teach you the emergency check. Emergency check, if you put your air pack on, and, and all of a sudden you hear air escaping. If you put your air pack on, all of a sudden you can't breathe anymore. If you put your air pack on and you're losing air, whatever, or that, you know, those, if, if you do nothing more than immediately stick your right hand back to that bottle and make sure it's turned on all the way. And then your right hand, if you still can't get in, your right hand up to your purge valve, your bypass, that maybe you have to give yourself more to make sure everything's good here. You or it little... could be cracked. The purge valve could be just cracked open a little bit and psh, giving you, and you just might have to go, Bloop. Turn it back an inch, and it may be closed. Exactly. You may think you're losing air around. Some I know. I know some people have thought that they're actually their seal wasn't tight enough because of a purge valve, and they're like playing with their straps, and they just go up, and you go, no, your purge is open right. a little bit right. because they hear air or they feel air. So if they do nothing more than a right hand, very quickly, if they hear air escaping from the back, you know what you say? You say, "Cap, hang on a second. You reach back, you shut your bottle off with your right hand. You go click, click. You tighten up. You turn back on. Both no hands, more, no both more. hands should be back at the bottle, right? One on the wheel, turning it, you know, opening it or closing it, and the other one tightening up, which is again very easy to remember which way you have to thread exactly. that and twist it and close it. It may just be may have broken the seal on those threads. And this is this is just like you get off the rig and you go, you're going to go to work. You turn your bottle on, and shh, you're like son of a biscuit, right? And so you stop, you turn it off, you reach back there, you because you, you know you're packed backwards or forwards you tighten it down you turn on no more escaping air right or like you said you're inside or something's going on you all of a sudden you hear air escaping same thing all of a sudden now you're not getting as much air there's something you know before you panic right hand goes back make sure that your, your bottle's open all the way then up to your face piece you, i used to say you do a little quick little grab of your your, your regular you just make sure and then seated problem yeah and open up that purge valve to give you whatever okay okay it's enough to get me out of here what's going on you know, but the majority of it can be taken care of just by doing that. Now, and before you go any further, another thing you must know is most SCBA apparatus, either malfunctions or problems, do not result in loss of air. Do not result in loss of air. I, I did 33 years in the FDMY. I've done 43 or 44 years in the, in, the, in, in, in the fire service in general in four different fire departments, two Korea, two volunteer, been in plenty of active units. And I've had one, I had one issue one time with an SCBA, and it was, Something blew, uh, a, a a seal or a valve or something let loose on my, uh, I was Lieutenant Squad 1, I'll never forget it. We were at a fire and something in my regulator on my face piece let go and, and I couldn't silence the purge valve. It was just, I was just getting a, a rapid air loss out of my 
out of that regulator up front. I still had air. I was still breathing good, clean, filtered air, but I was losing air very rapidly. So I told my partner, let's go. I'm having a mass problem. And out we went down to the stairs. We went out to the street, Together. dumped it and forgot about it. The point is I had a trouble. I had trouble, but I didn't lose air. And I think it's been well documented. You could probably research it. I, I, I know I, I know that this has been established somewhere already, so I, or I wouldn't be saying it. But most SCBA problems, which there are very few of, do, uh, do not uh, result in loss of air to the user. But most of the time, losing air in addition to the air that you're breathing, like out of a valve or a, or a burst hose or a cut hose or, a, mis or a, a seal somewhere letting loose. So most of the time, you're able to get out of the, out of the, uh, the IDLH while still breathing good air out of the bottle and you know and solve your problem well and, and you and i have both taught this forever but before we get too far down because i want to bring up another point here but i want you to mention we, we already mentioned that you don't ever let go of the left shoulder strap when you're when you're doffing your pack donning doffing reduce profile once right. you reduce profile you have to doff it to get actually through an opening or or it's your last resort on, you know, disentangling yourself with the slink, whatever you got, you know, you couldn't swim out of it. You couldn't cut out of it. Now you just got to pull it off running and reach over and step, step, step. So, you know, it's, for our listeners, what's the point of, and I think it's pretty easy, but there's a lot of new guys and gals out there. The point of always hanging on to that left-hand shoulder strap. Right. And, and it's actually dual. There's a dual purpose. There's, a, there's two reasons. The first reason is obviously when you're holding your shoulder strap from the position your arm would reach, it's going to be sort of, just in the, at the right front of your of your your left shoulder, excuse me, just at the front downward turn of your left shoulder is where you're going to grab it with your hand. Once you grab that, you're grabbing the shoulder strap and the low pressure hose is going to be in your hand. That low pressure hose is the same thing that two feet later comes back up to your face piece onto your regulator. And now you've controlled, if you take this thing off, you release your waist strap, you take your right shoulder strap off. Now this whole apparatus is not going to fall off of you and rip your face piece off or damage it or, or, or leave you without you know, protection of the SCBA. That's the first reason. The second reason is if you're using it to go through an emergency procedure, whether it's quick release or full escape or whatever it is, when you're all done, if you kneel or stand and you continue to hold that left shoulder strap with your left hand, now you can put that left shoulder strap back up to your shoulder, you know, lean off to your right, let your right shoulder strap dangle, get it in. And before you know it, you can very quickly get back into the SCBA with everything in the proper position. If for some reason you let it go, but you still hold on to the whole apparatus and it never did pull your face piece off, now you're going to have to start probably tracing from your face piece regulator down the low pressure hose to that shoulder strap to start reorienting with, with yourself. A, with an air pack that kind of dangles um, oddly, if it will. It doesn't, right. it's not just, it's kind of like it starts moving a direct, and now you're trying to grab this strap and oh. it's one of those. Like know, trying to put on a sweater in a closet at night, you know what right. I'm saying? Like it's going to be all twisted up between the hose and the shoulder straps and the waist straps and stuff. So holding on to that left shoulder strap, if you take this thing off in an IDLH or off while your, SC, while your face piece is on, that's the two things that it's going to do for you. It's going to, number one, keep it on. Keep it on. You're going to keep the protection of the SCBA, even though it's not on your back anymore. And number two, it's going to make it much easier and much quicker for you to get, to redon that whole thing to, to resume your search or your escape or whatever it is you're doing. And we've told firefighters forever since we're doing Get Out Alive and Saving Our Own. And, and since then, you know, we're talking about getting jammed up right now briefly, right? You know, that, hold on to your the left shoulder strap. If you're going to doff your pack, you're going to reduce profile, whatever you're going to do for those obvious reasons, especially those two points you made. But, but one of the other things we talk about with that is... If, if you if if you the fact that there have been firefighters that have been found unconscious dead in buildings 
or whatever, where they have removed their face piece, the entire face piece. And I think some of that has been panic. Some of that has been they're in there, they're, they're, they're panicking, you know, they, they can't see, they can't find out where they're by themselves, they're lost, which, you know, unless you've ever been that way before, you don't know what I'm talking about because it is scary ass that what's going through your head. And I think as they lose that last breath, as they suck it beyond their last vibra alert, last bell, they end up just panicking. They pull their helmet, they pull their hood, they pull their whole mask off, and we find it without their, their, their mask on. But when we, we train them, you know, if you can, muscle memory-wise and, and just memory-wise, the last you, you don't want to do that. Don't right. take your don't take your face piece off. And, and let's talk and, about why. And you already said the word. You already said the word is training. If you train frequently enough with an SCBA, doing SCBA procedures and running out of air and low air and out of air, if you go through that process, if you practice that three times a year, four times a year, every quarter, every three months, if you do SCBA drills, which includes low air, emergency air, activating your pass, silencing your pass, go through all these procedures, you won't do it wrong. But nobody does practice that. And I'm telling you right now, nobody practices what do you do when you actually run out of air. Obviously, somebody does, but not enough people do it. It's not widespread. And, and that training should be that should be so routine that it's as easy as just putting it on and taking it off and testing it. You, and, and you know what? You could probably you could probably integrate that into the SCBA test in the morning. You're on duty. You come into the firehouse. You go up to the engine. You pull your SCBA. You, you sit down in the seat. Shoulder straps on. Hop up. Step out. Waist strap on. Face piece on. Helmet on. Air on. Take two breaths. Now take the now shut it down. Now take the two more breaths, two or three breaths. It's not going to be a normal, your normal vibra alert because now you're shutting it off, right? So when you shut it off, you go like one breath or two breaths. All of a sudden, you'll hear the alarm go off real quick, and then it'll end, then it'll stop. It'll be over in a moment. There's not a regular normal duration for your for your low air alarm to go off. And you know what you can do then? Then you can crack your regulator out, simulate low air alarm for yourself, simulate low air operation. So. Your, your lower alarm goes off, you suck your face piece to your face. It's over. There is no air left. Click your regulator out. Nothing's going to come out. Leave your face piece on. Right. Leave your face piece on. Click your regulator out. Use your other hand as a filter or pull up your your uh, your hood, whatever you're going to do. Now you've imitated the out of air scenario. Now what you can do is now you can click it right back in. Take your helmet off. Take your face piece off. Now every time you check your SCBA, you're actually going through an out-of-air simulation exercise every single time. You work 150 days a year, you're doing it 150 times. That's pretty amazing. It's a great it's idea. A, Check it, breathe it down, and then do your emergency. Do your uh, out-of-air out procedure. And for the people out there that say you never take your regulator off, you never do that, you're out of your mind. Because when you run out of air, that's it. That's your only that's option it, when you're out of air in an IDLH is to take your regulator out. You're out of your mind if you take your helmet and face piece off. That's where you're really crazy. And, and since we're mentioning it, let, let's go into the reasons why you don't do that. Number one, you, your, your head, your face is still protected from fire, as is the rest of your head, because your hood is still on, your helmet is still on, your chin strap is still on. Everything is still on. All you do is disengage, unclick, remove, twist, take off your regulator. And now the only the area of vulnerability you have is the open area that the regulator used to be attached to, right? You, you gently put your gloved hand over that. And now you're doing simulated, very simulated, very basic filter breathing. Okay. That that's number one. Number two, if that doesn't work, or if you're really panicked and you keep breathing stuff in and, and it's high CO levels and you immediately go unconscious, 
Well, you're still in the same boat. Your pass alarm is going to go off. You should have gave a mayday before you ran out of the air anyway. The fast team should be on the way. And when they find you, they're going to find a firefighter fully geared up, face piece, helmet, hood in place. And all they have to do is, is take the face piece out of the rip pack that they brought with them, snap it into your face piece. They don't even have to turn it on because it should have been turned on before they entered. The rip pack should have been on when they entered the building. Snap the regulator into you, click it on, and boom, you're back on air without having to find your face, redon the emergency face piece out of the out of the rip pack. So because we've done never we've done that drill. We we still I mean we have to train people to do that. We do. You know, when just try blindfold. We've talked about it. we used to do that. Just try turn your turn your hood around and try to put a face piece on a down firefighter. You find a down firefighter, you try to put a face piece on, you know, now, now you could do it. We used to pride ourselves on how quick we do it, but we did it because we trained, we trained, we trained, we trained, we trained. And I have but, that picture and we use it in one oh, of our yeah. programs in 45 engine, 58 truck and a 1A battalion in the firehouse there before I retired. Happened many a night on cold winter nights or snowy or inclement weather. We'd be drilling inside in the afternoon or the evening. And we put a fully, fully geared firefighter on the kitchen floor after dinner for the, for the evening drill. And uh, I had two guys come in the kitchen with hoods on, just hoods backwards to just to give them zero visibility, right? And fire gloves on, wearing a radio, of course. No other gear, no gear, no bucket gear, no helmets, no nothing. I had them crawl into the kitchen to find this unconscious firefighter, announce on the radio with their gloves. We got him. We found the down firefighter. We're checking for his air. Try and locate his face. Try and locate his head. See if his face piece is on or off, or if it's on, if the regulator's out. And the other guy got the rip pack with him, and they drag it in and get him on air. And a couple of times it took minutes and minutes and minutes right. to get him back. And that's from when they found him. And that's from when they found him. Could take the rip, could take the rip five minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes to find you. So the bottom line is that's another great exercise to go through in it. And it takes no special equipment. It takes no props. It takes no money. It takes no overtime. It takes no nothing. You can do that in the kitchen of the firehouse, first floor of the firehouse in the volunteer department on drill night. You, you and two other guys could do it on the apparatus floor on a Saturday afternoon if you're sitting around watching a football game and it's halftime. You say, hey, let's run out and do the, the, the rip pack thing. And you, you could do that on the apparatus floor any day you want. And you could practice that whole evolution. Just obscuring your vision with a hood, putting the gloves on for your tactical pro- tactics, you know, to, and, and using your radios. Works out great. Well, and again, it, it, it's a task that everybody should be doing, and it's something that you're not going to do a lot. And, and I, we just, you know, when everything was hot and heavy, we'd get out alive and save the runway back when we were practice all the time. And unfortunately, nowadays, all the writ training has become like salvage covers. You know, hey, we're doing salvage next week. Okay, what are we doing? We're doing writ next week instead of, right. you know, it's kind of become that kind of thing. But but so that being said, right, we talked about the face piece. We talked about um, – uh, you know, not removing your face piece, talk about the regulator. All no, we're talking about never removing never. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. Never removing all right your face piece. Um, one last thing, uh, you know, before we run out of time, because I know we always try to keep these within a time frame for the folks who are out there. The importance, and we've talked about this with four or five times, but it's just, it's important a sixth time now. The importance of wearing your waist strap. Done. And knowing what to do, you know, we had our good buddy Larry McCormick talk about it, what he did for that down Chicago firefighter. Great, great story. But the whole point of, of knowing what to do with that waist strap, yep. if you're about to go down or if you find a down firefighter. Right. So obviously wearing a waist strap is something that, that I had nothing to do with. I never wore my waist strap. Nobody ever wore their waist strap in the FDNY. My early years, 70s, 80s on the FDNY, it just wasn't done. It was, it was just... It was just a bad habit that everybody was in. Everybody threw the SCBAs on. They just hung on their back on the shoulder straps. We used it or didn't use it. And whatever we did, we did. 
Obviously, that's that's old news now. Everybody's wearing their waist strap now. If you're not wearing your waist strap, you're a damn fool. Everybody should be wearing their waist strap all the time. Number one, as they always said originally, the, the machine is the, the machine is designed so if you have your waist strap on snugged up properly, there is no extra weight on your shoulders. It, it wears you out a little bit less if you have the waist strap on. That's number one. Number two, once you have the waist strap on, now getting back to SCBA tactics, emergency tactics. If you do run into trouble, if you do give a mayday, if you are lost and you're starting to run low on air and you think guys might be coming to get you. Somebody brought this up in class one time and I've spread it every day, every class I've ever had since then. You, after calling a mayday, after doing a couple of things you have to do, you can disconnect. You can loosen and disconnect your, your waist strap and then reconnect it between your legs. And now you have personally already con converted your SCBA waist strap You've, you've turned your whole SEBA harness into a rescue harness now. And now if you go down and they find you, number one, if you leave your face piece on, they're going to quickly attach air to you, click. And now they can grab your shoulder straps of your SEBA and immediately start dragging you, pulling you up steps, maybe even attach a rope and hoist you out a window and lower you to the ground. Because now your SEBA waist strap has been connected between your legs. That's a routine thing that we tell rescuers to do once they find a down firefighter. Get him on air right away and then convert his waist strap to, a, to, a, to an emergency harness. But you can do it yourself before you lose consciousness, knowing you're in trouble, and you are helping them save you because now you've saved one more thing for them to not have to do, and they can they can hightail it and start grabbing you and pulling you out. Well, we Great. used to say in a moment, and that's what it is. It takes a moment to unsnap and snap someone's waist strap, like you said, through their legs, the, the little diaper we used to call it the little diaper sling. Right. And but but it's a lot more difficult if their waist straps are snugged up, so they're not dragging them or whatever like that. Well, they're unconscious on the ground, and one waist strap is under them, and the other one yeah. on their face yeah. down, and the buckle is down there. If you and do it yourself, you're conscious. You, yeah. you reach around, boom, snap it. And we're in a hostile environment to begin with. Right. And the other thing real quick is, is you know, if we're thinking about that, another thing that takes a moment is to take that little loose end of your shoulder harness, the little sh shoulder harness, that little loose part of the strap that's hanging out, that, that device we talked about. Right. And you pull that tight and do nothing more with your fingers than go. It's like you're tying a little half hitch. You tie a little. Exactly what it is. And pull it taut. And guess what doesn't come undone now? When you go to pull those shoulder straps. No matter straps, what, it won't go through. As long as it's beneath that right. device, that little that little tightener. All right. And, and know that while your shoulder straps are tight, those are actually longer. They're a little right. bit easier to do that. So you can do it while they're long. Again, while you're still conscious, even though you know you're running into trouble, you can have a little a little list of things to do, right? Make sure your air is still good. Activate your pass alarm. Give a mayday. Adjust your waist strap and tie and tie a knot in the in the two shoulder strap tails, right? Exactly. And just and again, if you're the rescuer, it, it, this should take you a moment. It should take you a moment. First of all, if you did anything first, it should be to throw that little half at your shoulder. If you're under hostile, all you can do is do it. You great. You do that. You're around their shoulder strap. That way you're not pulling it off of them at all. If you have a second moment, and we're talking a second moment, it's the waist strap. So mm -hmm. now there's no way you're pulling off your shoulder. You know where you're pulling it off their waist and you're nope. good to go. Nope. So you know what? And before we end things here, John, it's one of the things you and I have talked about before. I'm a big believer, and I know you are. Anytime you remove your SCBA off your body, all right, off your, off your, off your person, as <laughs> the cops would say, all right, you should always leave it in the ready position. And I, I, I've said this since I started teaching SCBAs in the 80s, always leave it in the ready position. And the ready position is the opposite of what we just talked about. That's taking your waist strap, unsnapping it, and fully extending it back out. Taking your shoulder straps, fully extend them out. 
turning your air pack, your, your air bottle off, bleeding air down, making sure the purge valve is closed, okay? Making sure your bypass is closed, resetting the pass device. I don't care if it's only 500 pounds, whatever it is, because you take your air pack off, you rehab, and all of a sudden, Chief Salka starts yelling, hey, two guys in the front right here. We got heavy smoke. He's five feet. Get in a drag. You might then pick it up. You pick it up, put it on. But you know what? If you pick it up to go to put it on and your shoulder straps are tight and you didn't shut the, you know what I'm saying? Now, now you, we have to, we have to play around with it instead of, if, and if you're, right, oh, you said muscle memory, you always, you want to put it on, zip, zip with your shoulder straps, zip with your waist strap, turn it off, bleed it down, shut your back, put it on the ground. If you have just a little bit of air, but it's enough to reach inside a door with heavy smoke exactly. and drag a firefighter out or whatever. <laughs> Secondly, it's hard to get jammed up. You know what? And plus, the next person has to put the air pack on that cab tomorrow over the next call. Got to get how, done anyway. How many times have you gotten in the cab and you go, what the? And, and the, the shoulder straps are tight. Still from the snugged last, up from the fire. That's for right. the last person that warmed on a fire alarm or yeah. a smoke scare or yeah. whatever. Absolutely. The, plus, the ready position. When we used to do the harassment drill in the SBA classes. Okay, you three guys turn around or you six guys turn around. Put your air packs behind you. Turn around. All right, you six guys have to do a minimum of three things air pack. Don't break anything. Disconnect, loosen, tie in knots, whatever. And the other guys are going, oh, you just wait till we have our turn. They're not, you can't look back. And you say, ready, go. Now, two things you want to make it difficult, have all their gear right there. They have to turn around, put their bunker pants on, like to go for a call. Put their bunker pants on, hood, helmet, all their stuff. Turn around, grab their, and they have to don, they have to don their SCBA. If they turn it on, you don't hear it, you don't hear it load. That means it was on already, and you blow the whistle. Stop! Everybody starts all over. And they turn on air bleach. Stop! Start up. If you turn around and you're so used to putting in a ready position, they can't jack with you. You turn around, you go, "Haha, very funny, John." You pull your straps out. Oh, this isn't connected. This isn't right. This is turned on. If you're if you're always in the habit of putting in a ready position, that's extend your waist straps, extend your shoulder straps, turning the bottle off, bleeding it down, shutting your pass device off. Done. They can't mess with you. No, nope. they can't. And you know what? Every sick. And now that's also that, that that's you putting your hands and stretching the next crew to use it, whatever. I just think leaving your air pack in the ready position takes care of more stuff for good you. Good habit to get into. Absolutely. Well, hey, that was a that was a good one. That was a good one on the SCBA. I'm glad yeah. we talked about that one. And obviously, there's a ton more. Yep. But you know what? You know, you know, you know, you know what ain't gonna happen. Nothing if you don't train. Right. Nothing is going to happen but problems we if said you it don't a couple train. Of times. Training muscle, is it. Oh, muscle memory, muscle memory. You said, you know, we, we've talked about before. You've said for decades, the most important thing a company officer can do for their firefighters is treat him or her to stay oriented in a smoke-filled building. I've said the most important device you can bring to a fire is your SCBA. Absolutely. It, 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 as much as I love the nozzle, I love the hose, I love the water. I love our tools, but the most important thing, a device you can bring with you is the actual air you're going to be breathing inside of whether you're searching, yep. on a line, off a line, no line, whatever. Well, you know what? You got to know. You have to know it backwards, forwards, upside down. It should be something. You can always tell the, those that lack confidence because you look at them, they're, they're like messing around or trying to, you know, it, 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 you know, everybody gets tangled. Everybody gets a shoulder strap. Hey, Rick. Oh, gee, sorry. Thanks, man. Your shoulder straps, you know, twisted or whatever. But those that are doing that whole thing with the hand plat, you know, are like that. That's someone that's just not confident. And they're not a bad guy or gal. They just need to train more with it. Hey, if they want to get a hold of you, what email? Chief John Salta at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We want to thank you once again for joining us on another episode of Old School. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Uh, 
Go ahead. They're on Spotify. They're uh, they're on iTunes. They're on. I put them on my YouTube channel for those that uh, don't have that ability. Um, go back and listen. We've been doing them for several years now. Yep. You know, we've got a, a ton of episodes. Go yep. back. You know, when you're when you're scrolling back through your phone, hit see all. Make sure you see all. The guy emailed me long ago says I can only get to so many episodes. You just have to hit the see all. You go all the way back to the very beginning and just kind of rifle through them and go from there. So. Sure. Hey, we'll see you the next time, John. We always, always leave every episode with asking our listeners to please keep the men and women in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember this. Please remember this. Never forgetting means just that. Never forgetting. See you next time.